Thank you so much, Stan, for joining us for this new episode. Thank you, Ying. It's really great to be here. I appreciate it. Definitely. And you know, as I probably mentioned to you, the purpose of, for me to create this new podcast is really focused on two things. One is metaverse. The other one is mindset. Because I'm a firm believer that as humans, we get to manifest and create our new reality. And metaverse and everything, kind of Web three, uh, blockchain, digital, and all encompasses this new world that we as human race are kind of manifest or like envisioning. So that's why I find mindset and metaverse are really has a lot of things in common. So I started to invite thought leaders in the space and share their perspective, both on what they see for the space, but also how mindset really helped them to kind of make the success that they have. So really excited to have you and sharing your experience and perspective in the space. Thank you. Happy to do so. So、uh, maybe as we start, can you quickly share with us how did you get into the digital and metaverse space? So my name is Stanfield Gray. I'm the founder of Dig South, which is a pun on dig digital South and digging into the South or appreciating it. Um, about 12 years ago, I had this idea of putting together a big tech summit, an event, launching a media company because it was very difficult to raise capital, to recruit talent, to do a lot of the things you needed to do to scale a company if you weren't in Silicon Valley, Boston, New York, one of those traditional tech centers. And so that was the concept. We based it in Charleston. And personally, I've always loved exploring new ideas. You know, I, I've. All, I'm an early adopter. I love the novel and the new and the fresh, and and I love fresh approaches to thinking about things.、Um, when I worked for the College of Charleston in, around 2008, 2009, I launched the first mobile app for the institution just after the Apple Store opened outside developers. You know, so I led that project, and I was just you know really excited about what was coming with social media. It was all nascent, very fresh, very new. And so I launched this event, this media company, and now a membership company around it. And so here we are today, and it's really amazing to see how far it's come, how you know how much things have evolved, how we've entered what some people consider Web three or Web three point oh, or you know a new a new conceptual thinking of what a metaverse in a general sense, what that platform might mean, and and for us in a practical sense, but also in an abstract way about how we think about. Innovation, technology, and our own mindset. And speaking of the word metaverse, right? Let's first define the undefinable. So, what is、right. your definition of metaverse? Wow, that is the million-dollar question right now, or the billion-dollar question. In some ways, it's a type of new frontier to me. You know, if you believe the hype, it's the metaverse is the future of the internet, or it is Web three point oh in a sense. Does that mean it's a VR social platform? Is it a mixed reality? Is it a new type of gaming? Is it a giant waste of time? And are we exploring something that isn't indeed new, but is just kind of a culmination of a lot of other technology that we've been using up to now? So it's very difficult to define what metaverse means. But I think that's a, a blessing in a lot of ways. That's a good thing. Nobody can take authoritative ownership yet of that term, what it means, what you know. Is it a persistent virtual world that continues to exist, whether you're in the game or not in the game? Is it does it require you know a certain kind of hardware or space virtual world, or is it or is it a new approach to thinking about the、uh, layering and the applications of 
technology on our physical world. So I'm kind of answering your question with a lot of questions, which I think is what makes it interesting and fresh and new to think about this concept of the metaverse. Um, I also really enjoyed the debate about uh, decentralization versus central authority, whether we're talking about governments or platforms or you know uh, payment systems and token gateways, things like that. So for me right now, I just think of the metaverse as this new frontier uh, of you know new ways to kind of conceptualize what what it means to use technology how that impacts our lives and then i follow people like matthew ball you know i'll read his blog and i'll you know pick up a lot of different e-news and dive into wired magazine and see what they think about it and what definitions are coming out i you know i do i can't say from going to south by southwest in 2021 in particular it was all the rage all the hype all over the place and here we are a year later in a in a crypto winter, so to speak, and and people are, are sort of really rethinking, you know, what's viable, what what does it mean by you know, regulation, deregulation, how dangerous is it to put too much faith in one particular platform or an ex- token exchange or or in one concept of the metaverse. Definitely, I actually really love the um, the approach that you took about this question because uh, what's really resonate is you said there is no one authoritative view of what metaverse is, and I think that's really the beauty of it all, right? Why so many people jumping into the space? Because one of my favorite quote is uh, the best way to predict the future is to create it. So That's I right. think we're all in the face of creating what the metaverse really look like, right, in a more tangible and impactful way for everybody involved. Yeah. And, and as humans, we all always struggle with communicating with each other. You know, words are just symbols for what we're trying to say, and they don't always convey that or they have multiple meanings. And that's been true since, you know, man and woman have walked the earth. Mm-hmm. And so... um you know, in that sense, that I think it's it's a also a new form of storytelling, not just technology or the platform. It's you know, kind of reconceptualizing what does it even mean to be human? What is what is that story today, and and where is it taking us? And you know, how can we effectively communicate with each other to uh, you know fall in love, to share ideas, to form governments, to hopefully avoid war help people find new cures and new um, ways of solving very thorny issues. Yeah, definitely. You know, one of the things you mentioned about storytelling. So when I read the book, Sapiens, one of the most impactful thing that shaped my view is the fact that human species, right, as probably the only species that can tell stories. And that's how we really imaginary and then created the world that we live in. Almost everything we have is through the story that we created first in our mind and then got created in the physical world. And I know that you are very passionate about storytelling. Can you tell us a little bit more of some of the new insights and the new ways that you're thinking and approaching storytelling in the new kind of metaverse or like, you know, kind of new arena? Mm -hmm. I love this question. I've been thinking a lot about it. You know, I mean, even if you look at every great religion of the world, there's typically an origin story. You know, people want to know, what, how did the earth form? How did this religion form? What does that mean for me? And then as we continue, you know, when you go to just a basic pitch event where startups, you know, a founder takes the stage and he or she tells that story, 
of you know the origin of the idea and how they take that idea and try to develop it into a product or service and, and where that's going. The exciting thing to me about the metaverse is, is the, the kind of opportunity to really think about it in a more kind of fully immersive three-dimensional setting where that story not only comes to life, you know, we've all been saying that for decades about filmmaking and streaming, sure it comes to life, but where we're actually interacting with it. So like, here's an example I was thinking about, like, let's say you're a kid in a history class and it seems really two-dimensional, flat, boring. There's a lecture, the book. Yeah, maybe, maybe the professor is a good storyteller and you can think about it, but what if you could actually you know, jump on the back of a North African war elephant and travel across the Alps with Hannibal to see what that was like, you know, to invade Italy or, you know, Genghis Khan or, you know, choose your your particular figure of history that you might be fascinated with and, you know, think through, okay, what what if this space was so immersive and so physical that that it really resonated more deeply, but also was just a better teaching tool because the the child or the person experiencing it through the multi-sensory approach might be able to absorb those lessons better and discover new ways of thinking or whether that's to retell that story or in the case of someone like a surgeon, perhaps perform that surgery at a much higher level with a better outcome for patients or a person that's kind of manipulating DNA strands and considering you know, what would that mean over time if I replicated these and we remove this sequence? What is the end result? Does it, did I actually cure a disease or did I create other problems that would involve? And through like, I think, 3D modeling, through new approaches to using something that could be called a metaverse, that you might be able to explore those things in a deeper way and find a better solution. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Definitely. And as you are deep in the space, right, in digital and innovation and metaverse, what are some of the most interesting projects either you worked on or you're currently embarking? Well, I mean, going back in time a little bit, it's fun to see how far, you know, that that it's evolved. I mean, in 2014 at Dig South Tech Summit, we had the first Bitcoin ATM machine in the Southeast. And uh, we accepted payments and we offered badges two for one. And Bitcoin traded at about $450 then at that time, you know, and, and no one bought one, no one. <laughs> so that was less than 10 years ago. That was eight years ago, you know. And then in 2018 and 19, we were exploring crypto wallets and the security for those and digital wallets. And, and then 2021, you know, Web3 and Metaverse seems like it's at hand at South by Southwest. And, and we explored that at Dig South. Um, by having an NFT gallery and, you know, through a lot of talks and topics on that subject. And, you know, at this point, it's, you know, the projects that are, are currently exciting me involve community. So I'm working on a membership community that we launched in 2019, but now we're moving it over to another platform. As I'm doing that, I'm really considering um what does it mean to engage as a community? You know, I want to curate the experience, but you can never ultimately direct how people really want to interact and what they do. And so I, I'm just as interested in learning from the group, but I'm also thinking of, you know, uh, different storytelling tools, different courses, ways that people may want to interact as I'm keeping an eye on the back burner of kind of how, how this technology is evolving. Um, perhaps in, you know, just a year or two, we'll be using something more immersive to interact within that community than just zoom like we are right now you know so so that's one project is understanding what does community mean today in the landscape of the metaverse and you know what can we build on top of that 
And then, you know, I mean, some other things we're exploring are just uh, we had, we used a PO app last year for the event or proof of attendance protocol. You know, thinking about NFT token gateways for um, becoming a member and, you know, what you could do with that. I have been doing a lot of research on DAOs and I'm not fully convinced that they work for all types of groups and environments. And that kind of goes back to, you know, a, a founder who's got a vision, something very artful, they're willing to fully build upon versus a group that may or may not share the passion. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. So, and everybody knows if, you know, if you've ever been to like a school board meeting or a community meeting, how quickly uh, allowing too much input <laughs> can devolve Definitely. and, you know, blow up a project. Yeah. So, however, conceptually sharing uh, more resources, sharing those experiences, allowing more, you know, input into how those things evolve is very important over time. And I think, you know, it's kind of a balance of of uh, regulation and guidance versus creativity and innovation, you know, inspiration versus uh, actually having to put rubber to the road and build the thing and make it work in a way that can, you're never going to make everybody happy, but that can make a large enough group of people happy where they're getting value from that community and they're feeling valued themselves as a member of it. So those aren't specific projects in the sense of I'm, I'm technically building any piece of hardware or software. I'm just thinking about the ways that I can use pre-existing technology in a novel or new way to engage new audiences. Definitely. And as an entrepreneur, a founder, and also an innovator and thought leader, what do you think are some of the common challenges uh, that entrepreneurs and innovators have as they're embarking all of these amazing opportunities and tackle the area of a big unknown and uncertainty? Mm-hmm. Well, the classic ones are just finding um, talent and resources, you know, sometimes capital to help you get those things off the ground. But then there are other things like uh, just in you know, the danger of falling too in love with your own idea and not letting it evolve, not sharing it and realizing that a lot of times it's in the execution of the thing itself. There are almost no original ideas. I, I hear well over 100 pitches a year. And it's, you know, the, some of them I've heard for many years, but they just either the timing's not there or the technology hasn't arrived or they, you know, there's some reason why it didn't get off the ground. So I think it's important to to let it shift and change and evolve and see where the project goes. And then as you get older, uh, you know, it's it's you fall into the trap of thinking that you're you have this wisdom and these things, oh, they haven't worked in the past, so they're not going to work again. And you begin to carry this baggage of wisdom is kind of the way I look at it. And these suitcases get heavier and heavier. Mm-hmm. It's harder to put them down because you feel like they're full of knowledge you've collected. But a lot of at some point, you have to get back to that beginner's mindset. You have to be able to see it with fresh eyes. And you literally have to let that luggage, that baggage go. You just have to <laughs> say that the airplane lost my suitcase and I'm not even going to try to retrieve it because I've really got to look at this in a fresh, fresh new way. Mm. So, um, I, you know, those are some things that, that I've seen. And and then some people, you know, they, they realize it's OK to say maybe you're really not ready to be a founder or an entrepreneur. And there's uh, there's no failure in that at all. I mean, you could be fantastic supporter of another group, align yourself with them and bring some value to that team that they don't have. And, and you could perhaps lead together collectively in that sense. So I think sometimes people just fall in love with their their own voice. You know, they become Greek narcissists who you know, are so in love with their own 
image in their own thinking that they never connect again with anyone else and, and die kind of staring in the mirror, so to speak. Uh-huh. So the, those are dangers. But, um, you know, overall, I, I just I get also re-energized by going to new events, hearing new ideas, staying engaged. It's easy to stay home and say, well, I'm really tired tonight or get up and go to a one million cups or a startup grind or a dig south. And get refreshed, you know, hear some new ideas, start to rethink things that you may have considered years ago, but you had, a, there was one piece missing and this person happens to have discovered that, you know, whatever that missing link is. Wow. Um, thank you so much. Uh, I actually think for people like you who have a lot of experience, kind of acknowledge the fact that sometimes the wisdom, right, can really come your way and you actually consciously put that down. And to be more open-minded and also create this, what we call it is like a light journey, right? So you can carry less and then embark on like different journeys and always pivot is really, really important. I think especially now consider the alter uh, macroeconomics, right? Where a lot of people are saying we are going into a recession or we are definitely going into an economic downturn. Well, you realize that there are a lot of companies, a lot of business models that used to work, but doesn't seem to work anymore. Right. That creates a lot of layoffs, create a lot of chaos and et cetera. But I think to what you said, if everybody, the founders, the entrepreneurs can have the beginner mindset, they can really constantly be present to the environment that around them that really helps them to pave it and make the right choice based on what really happened in that moment, rather than based on all of those, you know, achievements or everything they have learned from the past. Yes, very much so. I mean, if you look back to 2008 to 2010, we were in the middle of a so far, which was a much worse recession than we are currently experiencing. And many of the most exciting companies today, Airbnb and Uber and Lyft and, and, you know, dozens of others were founded during that period. You know, because of that disruption, because people were looking for a way to get out of that, the doldrums, so to speak, they they were very inventive and free thinking. So every time, you know, that, that something is widely disruptive in a macro sense in the economy, I think it can, that disruption can often lead to silver lining and, and, and a new way of approaching an old issue or an old problem. Definitely. And thinking of uh, mindset, right, a beginner's mindset. What does mindset plays a role for innovators or entrepreneurs as they are embarking, you know, their journey? Uh, I think about this a lot too because it's very difficult to be present, and you have to be sometimes fully present to really experience something and develop that and make something work and hear all the voices around you. However, the paradox is that you also have to be able to think broadly. And be able to kind of detach yourself sometimes from the present to really imagine all of the different possibilities and to explore that and to enjoy it, you know, just to have that that moment in time. But you have to be able to pull yourself back into a present state to execute on it and to um, not be blindsided by by some of those dreams and some of those kind of lofty goals that may not have any kind of current practical application. So that's kind of a long-winded way of saying that, that the more present we are, I think, that, that the more we can connect the big dream with staying present, the more likely I think we are to, to find our essence and succeed. And then that leads to our last question. 
what is uh, next for you then in all of your business adventures? Mm, great, great question. So currently I'm very focused on relaunching that membership community and kind of getting that off the ground, shoring it up, having an excellent Dig South Tech Summit next April 26th through the 27th here in Charleston. And, you know, making sure that that experience is, is superb. I'm also working with a film company called Mad Lad Films, where we're developing some video projects that are, are interesting, explore a lot of different spaces. But I think I'm, I'm just at the moment, I'm very open minded about, you know, what's next. I, I'm not trying desperately to cling to it or find it or search for it. I'm playing music again, which has always been an important creative outlet for me. So I'm playing in a new rock band. That keeps me young, keeps, you know, it's, it's really fun. I, and I view that in a very different way. I did from my 20s when I played in, you know, rock bands that did kind of regional tours and that sort of thing. So I'm thinking through, you know, what is it? A, who am I again? And what, what keeps me energized and exciting, excited? And then I'm going to sort of view through that lens where these opportunities are. Yeah. So, um, Long went away, Ying, of saying that I that I'm not exactly sure, but I feel like good things are on the way. That's awesome. What I heard is you are practicing what you preached, right? You are fully present and create the energy and experience that you have in your life right now, but also open minded and kind of you know started to create what's possible in the future, which is um, yep. awesome. Yeah, the last thing I'll, I'll add to that is that I've also reconnected with a lot of old friends that I really respect and admire that are doing interesting things. I think it's good to, to touch base, you know, um, find out what they're up to, you know, not not always looking for business, not always looking for an opportunity, but just because, you know, that person is a is a deep thinker and that they are they share passions like you do. So I think it's important to to stay connected as we grow older and our families evolve. We you know grow farther apart to find ways to to touch base. Definitely awesome. Thank you so much, Stan, for sharing you. your stories and journey with us. Oh, it was a pleasure to be on the show. Thank you. <laughs>